Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Sunday Leftovers Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Monument Bible Church in Paradise, PA. We're glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are excited to have a special guest, Susan Hubbard. She's our Director of Women's Discipleship here at Calvary Monument Bible Church, and she is going to be joining us as we unpack and explore the contents of Exodus chapter 15, the Song of Deliverance. What a wonderful time in the nation's history, and we're looking forward to exploring God's Word and sharing some thoughts within that chapter with you today. If you're interested in learning more about Calvary Monument Bible Church, please look for us online at www.calvarymonument.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. If you do, feel free to email us at cmbc at calvarymonument.org and let us know that you'd like more of this type of content. Well, Susan, it's so good to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast uh, for us today and to bring your insights to this chapter of Exodus. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed the preparation. So, All right, well, let's dive right in. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, and if you wouldn't mind, could you read verses 1 to 3 for us? Yes. This section is called The Song of Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Yeah, what a powerful chapter that we're entering into. And it's really a, a beautiful thing when you think about what it comes on the end of. Everything that Absolutely. the nation has been yes. through together, right? They yeah. have come out of Egypt through these plagues uh, that they witnessed uh, and, yes. and saw firsthand. The worst being the death of the firstborn. They're in the wilderness. Uh, as they escape, they come to this place where they're stuck. There's a big, big body of water on one side and there's an army on the other. And here God does this incredibly miraculous thing. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry land. And as they enter into the wilderness, it's almost like a gateway, you know, kind of event to to get them into the wilderness, coming through the waters. Uh, Certainly tones even that press into the New Testament. One of the first activities that they participate in then is this corporate act of worship. And as I saw the text at the very beginning, uh, it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang. I wonder how that worked. Yeah, I don't know. One of the first kind of moments of being a worship leader in the wilderness, like teaching them. And they responded or something. Yeah, yeah. And, And really singing to the Lord, um, rehearsing these events with one another, what they had just witnessed. Uh, This is a corporate act act of worship that is really celebrating a victory that God had won for his people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that Moses says in verse 2, or the people as they sing with him, this is my God Mm -hmm. and I will praise him, my father's God and I 
exalt him. My God and my Father's God, there's a heritage here. Uh, something that Moses, in, in his, he had a unique relationship with the people, didn't he? Because he was born of the people, but yes. then taken from yes. them. And then he was a fugitive from them on the run from, from the Egyptians and now back with them. But there's something that they have in common, something great, someone greater, and it's Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. And together they can celebrate him. Now, verse 3, very interesting. In the NET translation, it actually says that the Lord is a warrior. And in our translation that we're reading from the ESV, it says the Lord is a man of war. Yes. And uh, as I was studying that, it was interesting. I, one of the reasons that translations have moved away from that term man of war is because in our modern minds, we think of an actual uh, battleship, which is called a man of war. And that's not what was necessarily intended uh, here in this part of the text. What were some of your thoughts as you uh, think about God as a warrior or a man of war? Well, the man of war sounds very negative and strong. We don't picture a loving God like that, but he certainly certainly was involved in bringing about wars at time. But I, um, I, I was thinking of a shepherd, Moses shepherding them, hmm. because a shepherd has to go ahead and has to kill the lions and the wolves that are attacking. So in that way, it's a, a, a warrior that it's caring for people, hmm. not obliterating them, right. but showing love and care and um, his responsibility towards people. Yeah. But um, I, I would think the sheep would view the shepherd as, as a warrior, warrior. Uh -huh. and certainly in going before the sheep and eliminating the potential threats that encompass them or before them or behind them, he is doing what's in the best interests of the sheep and protecting them. And certainly as the people had watched the Lord throw the Egyptian army under the waters of the sea, they could look back. I mean, the text says that they could see the Egyptians on the sands of the, of the shore and see they didn't do that. <laughs> but it must have been, it must have been very traumatic. Mm. It must have been very traumatic, and I appreciated what you brought out a couple um, weeks ago about um, that Pharaoh wasn't the same Pharaoh, mm -hmm. that it wasn't it wasn't Moses's father or mm. Moses's uncle. Right. It was a, another person. Yes. And that that was significant to me thinking about watching the army be swallowed up in the sea yeah there are so many pharaohs i think from the from the beginning of the joseph narrative uh -huh. uh, where really yes. we get first introduced to this nation of egypt yeah. that exists all the way then uh through to the end of the the deliverance uh -huh. of the people we have uh -huh. different pharaohs and multiple pharaohs and we tend to think of it as one person um and and not always attribute that title to being yes. like a king. king. So, yeah, yeah, very good. Well, we're going to move into a second section of the text, Susan, and you're going to share some thoughts with us, and we look forward to hearing from you in just a second.
So part two, we are going to be looking at verses four through 13 of Exodus 15. And I'm going to go ahead and read those verses. And then Susan, you'll share some of your thoughts and takeaways from them with us. So reading from the ESV, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them and they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode really amazing verses aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, so powerful <laughs> <laughs> um, it's captured the imagination of many people along the way and Hollywood included mm. um, I just picture the Egyptians on the other side as you have of the sea after all that they experienced and um, probably saying to each other just what happened did, did that really happen did what I think happen really happen mm-hmm. and Moses's song validates them out mm-hmm. uh, those feelings I think that um, first of all who knew that Moses sang but <laughs> Moses's song was just what the masses of those Israelites needed they needed a way to express their joy to tell their story this is real this really happened we are free Pharaoh and his men are dead and cannot get us And I think um, that's what verses four and five are. It's just the facts. Mm. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Mm. So they can hear that song and say, yes, this really happened Mm -hmm. um, to us. It's just so important for people to have an adequate opportunity to tell their story whether it's traumatic or overwhelming favor, they need to tell the story. It validates them, um, and it validates the emotions that they had. They get, they were, he gave them language for all these emotion mm. that they had to have been feeling. As you shared that, something comes to mind. Uh, it talks in the Bible about sing to the Lord a new song. Mm. And as you were just sharing that, what came to mind is that this was Israel's new, new song, song. Yes. right now. Yes. It's amazing. And um, this song as it has is repeated many times in scripture and they mm-hmm. you know the, the Jews of today can point back to this time in history as that's their story. So it's a story that was started then and continues on t- um, today. Um, so continuing on from so the first couple of verses are, are just the facts. This is what happened. 
and then he moves them, Moses moves them into casting their eyes towards God and tells what God did. Hmm. Um, he was glorious in power. It keeps repeating your right hand. And that's another phrase that comes up often in scripture. And it's, um, it gives the sense of power, righteousness, favor. Scripture says that his right hand teaches us. It's full of righteousness. Um, the father invites his son to sit at his right hand. So it's a favor thing of probably just de deriving from most people are right-handed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but not um, so. So this is what the hand, the Lord's hand does. It shatters enemies. The greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. Mm -hmm. um, some of these visual images of at the blast of your nostrils, the waters mm. piled up. Um, they probably wouldn't even be able to imagine. They knew God accomplished it. How did he do it? Mm. I guess that was um, a way to, to, um, to answer that question. Um, even speculating what the enemy said mm. and God's response. Mm -hmm. So this is what um, tells of what God did. And then we move into... Um, the final verses in this section and we see who God is. Mm. They turn even further, not not seeing God of what he did for them, but who his, he is, his character, mm. who is like you, um, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. That um, they kind of the whole perspective, this is what happened. This is what God did for us. This is who God is. Mm. Did they ever have that picture before mm. of who God is in his glorious deeds, doing wonders majestic in holiness, and his steadfast love, mm. the people you have redeemed, you know, getting that picture of redemption and guiding them by your strength to your holy abode. Mm. So many contrasts come into view, I think, in these verses. You have the contrast between what what the Egyptians are saying and what God actually does. Yes, like, yes. we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And God, you know, no, I, you know, this is what God actually yeah. did and how he overtook them. And as you were sharing, I thought living in Egypt and having all of these visual representations of God around them and hoping and sacrificing or praying to those gods and hoping in some way that they might respond, that they might do something, that they might choose to look down and bless, you know, a population or, or you know, provide rain for crops or whatever. All of a sudden, recognizing the greatness of this God over those gods, gods. through the plagues and through this utter defeat yeah. and and this victory that God won for them, actually seeing the one true living God at work in such a powerful and majestic way, in a way that living in Egypt and being surrounded by the Egyptian religious system and the people who worship those gods, maybe they lived their entire lives never seeing, seeing their God. gods operate in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. And after 400 years of slavery, who knows really what was remained of their sto previous story mm -hmm. that they understood of who God was. kind yeah. of reminds me of Job that I've heard of you, but now I see you. Right. That they were able to, to say that. Yes. Wow. Great celebration. Thank you, Susan. 
And we have one more section we will dive into here in just a second. Okay, our final section for this particular celebration song in Exodus is looking at verses 14 to 18. Susan, would you mind reading those verses for us? Thanks. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Such a wonderful way to yes. close out this song. And, and we know, looking ahead, there's a few more lines down the way. Miriam sings a little bit, you know, in this chapter too, but we're going to end at 18 today. I think it's it's so amazing how God is telling, uh, or Moses and the Israelites as they sing, uh, they're affirming that their surrounding nations, and there's a number of them named here, these were enemies of the people of God, that, that they were going to hear. And there's a theme in these verses of trembling, anguish, seizing, uh, the word shake is used, which is very similar in form to this word trembling, that, that there's going to be, uh, people are going to take notice. Yes, They're going to realize, they're going to see all around the Israelites, the power of Yahweh, the true covenant-keeping God. And in some ways, as I was thinking about this, my mind went to the reality that Israel was supposed to function as a light to the nations. Yes. And certainly as God worked through his people in this magnificent and powerful way, other people would see and take notice and other armies who may have thought in their mind, well, we're going to come and take these people and enslave them or take them into captivity or whatever that may be. Uh, they might, after what happened to the Egyptians, give pause, just yes. kind of say, okay. <laughs> Maybe want to think twice about this. That's right. That's right. This is a set-apart people. Mm -hmm. This is a consecrated and holy people uh, who has been called of God. And it says in verse 16, Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as stone until your people pass by. The people whom you have bought pass by. And there's this... uh, thought as the Israelites come into the wilderness, there is some vulnerability, you know, in that there, there's no more walls. Right. Like right. the nation of Egypt in that enslavement, there were walls. There were armies that could protect them even as they were slaves. Yes. But in the wilderness, their enemies exist on every side, and the only one who exists to protect them is Yahweh, is God. And so he is going to protect them. He's going to bring them through the wilderness. And I love verse 17 in light of like chapters 19 and 20, really 19 to 24 in the text. The the imagery in verse 17 is very near to the rest of the text in Exodus, even though we know it also has future implications as well. 
you will bring them in and plant them. And I love that. I love that even for the church today, you know, just being planted. You know, God puts us in places for a purpose, for a time, for a season, and he intends for us in those places to thrive and flourish as we follow in his ways. But he's going to bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. And we know that soon at Sinai, there's yes. this going to be this very incredible mountain experience that the people are going to have with God. It's a beautiful uh, ceremony and experience that they're going to have where he's going to make covenant with them and they're going to really enter into this formal relationship with him. And as the verse says here in 17, he is going to uh, establish them and really as he informs them uh, as a nation, um, he's going to establish them. So yeah. Moses here is is prophesying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. List of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moses plays so many roles. Yeah. It is so significant when we trace his narrative because, I mean, well, yes, he's a foreigner. He's mm -hmm. a slave. I mean, we just start back there. Um, he is then, as we already shared, a fugitive, you know, in, in another land. And um, he is serving as a mediator. Mm -hmm. He's an intercessor. He is in many ways uh, and many times serving as a priest. He has all of these roles. Prophet, uh, we see here, he was a man um, with just an, an immense number of hats that he had to wear at different times yes. uh, in his roles. And, and really, God just did an amazing work in his life because he was so reluctant at the beginning. Well, doesn't humility go before all those things in there? Yes, yes. So. yes. Um. Yeah, he was humbled, and many times in his leadership uh, journey, he he was humbled. I think of his interaction yes. with Jethro, mm -hmm. you know, and Jethro yes. comes and says, hey, yeah, you, can't do you just can't do this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he listens, mm -hmm. and that goes well for him. Yes. Then. And yeah. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's this verse 18 um, mm -hmm. that is just so amazing. Yeah. It really points us uh, all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation, where this exact verse is echoed in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. If you uh, have a second to turn there, I'm just going to read it. Uh, we see this in verse 18 of Exodus, the Lord will reign forever and ever. And then we turn to Revelation 11, and it says, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so this refrain really comes full circle into eternity. It's going to echo out. You yes. will reign forever and ever. For the Israelites just entering the wilderness, coming into this relationship with God, they are going to see that he is going to reign forever and ever for their generations and throughout their history. And we as a church are going to see and, and have seen and will continue to see that our Lord will reign forever and ever. Eternity is his. Yeah, very good. Well, Susan, you're going to close us out with some of your takeaways uh, from this chapter of Exodus. And before we go there, we're going to pause and we'll be right back.
In drawing my thoughts together, I was um, really taken to verse 20 and, and Miriam and the prophet, as a prophetess um, because these verses, um, yeah, God taught me something really profound several years ago. Um, in thinking about the circumstances, the plight of the refugee, and there are more refugees in the world today than ever before. Mm. And the Israelites were refugees, but we can see in a practical way what the Israelites faced when we look at refugees in our own time. Um, there are people who have to look around their home and decide, what am I going to take with me? Um, mm. I have to leave my home. This is what, where I find home. What is, in, what is the most important thing that I can carry with me? Mm. And it was actually during the Bosnian War and the Rwandan um, Civil War that it struck me because of seeing these masses of people on TV, the screen, and thinking about their what they have just been through of, of leaving their home. So as a mom and a wife, I'd think, well, we're going to have to eat, so I need to take some a pot and some ki kitchen utensils to cook. And um, we need some place to sleep and keep warm at night. The children need blankets. What what are the most vital things that I can take with me that, that we can, can carry? And... Um, carry on their backs in order to provide for the family hmm. just the basics can't carry much but then we read that Miriam grabs her tambourine <laughs> out of this sack or sack or whatever she was carrying so when she was in her house and she was looking around and judging yes the kitchen something to cook with something to keep warm with and I need my tambourine and not only Miriam but every single woman picked up her tambourine <laughs> yeah. and went out and joined her in the same song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Mm -hmm. I think that putting a tambourine in the sack on their backs meant that they anticipated celebration. Mm -hmm. They anticipated being with their community, which is a hopeful, a light, a light, there when um, and they anticipated worship they were prepared mm. to worship mm. I, it's I know that it was a cultural thing that they probably did that was their entertainment at nights around a campfire to have their tambourines but that was such a significant part of life to them it was equal to feeding their children or keeping their children warm at night yeah. was pulling out their tambourine and singing uh, praises to God, so it's it's a, a light and anticipation of of worship and and hope for their mm. future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and that's that beautiful. kind of caught, draws together um, Moses' song. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. oh, it's glorious. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Susan. Yes. This has really been uh, a joy to be able to share in this chapter with you, and I hope to be able to to do this again in the future with. Uh, some of our other podcasts. We thank you everyone who has uh, tuned in to listen today and we hope that you've been blessed as we've spent time together in God's Word. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. We'll see you next time.